0: This podcast is brought to you by Mcella. We talk a lot about the pelvic floor in our podcast, don't we, Jack?
1: Oh, we sure do. And that's because it's such an important topic. I mean, between body aging and childbirth and menopause, that leads to our pelvic floor muscles deconditioning.
0: And you and I both know what that means. Incontinence. (laughs) It's so frustrating when you sneeze or laugh and get that dreaded dribble. What's even more frustrating is that women suffer in silence.
1: I know. I've got a lot of friends who talk about the lengths that they go to just to avoid these embarrassing situations. But it's sad to me and to you that it becomes something we constantly have to deal with. And -hmm. what women don't know is that while this is a common condition, it is not a normal condition. Leakage and incontinence are not something we should have to learn to live with. And 45% of incontinent women report a loss of intimacy. I think we should
0: heal instead of just deal. You're right. And many women go like six years suffering with these issues before seeking help. That's like on average. And an outstanding five out of 10 women don't even seek help at all. Most likely because they don't even know what's available.
1: Well, you and I didn't know until we found out about the Amsella Chair, which we are now affectionately calling the Kegel Throne. Oh!
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we had an opportunity to try it. So what is the MCela Chair? The Amsella Chair is a novel, high-intensity focused electromagnetic technology. I can't even say that three times fast, Jack, for the treatment of pelvic floor related disorders. This technology induces deep pelvic floor muscle contractions designed to deliver the equivalent of 11,200 Kegel exercisers in over 28 days minutes.
1: I gotta say, um, one thing that's so amazing about this when we tried it is I realized when, you know, you kind of have to squiggle around and get positioned on the chair and there's like this tapping, um, you really realize when, um, the frequency starts to increase in the chair that I've never actually done a proper Kegel until now.
0: It's true. And I mean, we all say we're going to do our Kegels. And when do we do our Kegels? Never. Never, right? (laughs) When do you find some quiet time to do your Kegels? And a lot of women aren't doing them correctly. So this experience was really cool because we were able to sit on this chair and we fully close. So it's non-invasive. You can walk in. It's amazing. And you sit on this chair and you feel the tapping of where you need to target your your key goals. Yeah,
1: and you actually then they start that frequency and they up it and they up it and they up it. Um there's nothing torturous about this. It it feels really cool. Like you feel like wow, something is happening here. And even afterwards like I felt like I had a little tiny
0: workout. Absolutely. I totally felt like I had a workout and I feel like this is going to change a lot of lives. It's really easy to do, it's not that expensive, and um, it's going to change your life if you are struggling with incontinence issues. Um, so ask your physician or find a provider in the link that we provide in our post and check out the encouraging study results on our Facebook group. Hi, Dr. Proust. Welcome back for episode two with us. Thank you
2: for having me. I'm excited about this one too.
0: (laughs) We are really excited about this. We've been talking about it for the last week. So, um, You know, after menopause, many women experience urogenital problems such as vaginal dryness and itching, discomfort, especially in relation to sexual activity and urinary incontinence. We've had a quick overview of some of these issues before with our friend, Dr. Andrea Walsh. But today we want to do a deeper dive into what options are available these days and what we can do to help treat these issues. Um, so, Jack and I, just for our listeners, we were lucky to have visited your office last week to see some of the options and even try some of them out. Um, so we will probably get a little personal today, and we're okay with that yeah <laughs> um, absolutely, yeah so i think I think we should probably go through each of like i guess the the issues, problems. Mm -hmm. Um, separately and then sort of what sort of solutions we can offer our listeners. So um, can we start with urinary incontinence? And I think that's, you know, most of our listeners know what that is a lot of the Mm -hmm. time. Um, Just maybe explain um, what happens and why women are incontinent during menopause or can Mm -hmm. be incontinent. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's actually several different types of incontinence. And the most common ones that we see in the postmenopausal time frame is um, stress urinary incontinence. So that's when, with laughing, coughing, sneezing, jumping, et cetera, you get leakage of urine.
1: That's got to be the most common one, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, the other
2: one that's also very common is urge incontinence. So urge is the, um, yeah, just overwhelming need to go to the bathroom. And if you don't make it to the bathroom on time, you will leak urine sometimes. Yes. And in fact, the entire bladder. Um, sometimes small amounts as well. So there's usually triggers for that. So putting the keys in the door when you get home um, from work or the water, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, water fountain, tap running, those sorts of things. And then there's mixed incontinence. So often women will have um, both. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of different reasons that feed into the postmenopausal population really struggling with this. Um, one of them is the fact that um, from a hormonal perspective, with a lack of hormone, um, the tissues tend to become thinner and lose the, the strength and the integrity. And with that, um, you know, comes some changes to both the bladder and the vagina. And then of course there's other things that will also impact on that and including um, childbirth and just simply carrying a pregnancy is very tough on the pelvic floor. Um, mm-hmm. Rapid deliveries, um, deliveries that were a challenge, prolonged deliveries, forceps deliveries, those sorts of things can also impact on um, the bladder and um, specifically stress urinary incontinence is the, the big one that gets um, uh, aggravated by those sort of pre-existing um, situations. So yeah, so that, that's, that's, the, that's stress incontinence in a nutshell.
1: Okay. I have to yeah. say that, um, you know, for the women I know and Ramona too, you know, we are sort of kind of been conditioned to believe that having this urinary incontinence is common. And I think that makes us think, well therefore it's normal. But I believe it was you who said to us last week at our visit, you know, it's it's common, but it is not normal. And I think that's where we have to change the thinking. Like, it is not normal yeah. to pee your pants when you sneeze or cough or jump mm-hmm. on a trampoline. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like we shouldn't just accept that. We should yeah. really understand why that's happening to us. And um, I think here in North America, Ramona and I have researched in, in different areas of the world. Um, there, most women believe that that's that's all there is to it, right? Like this is mm-hmm. your life, and it's very embarrassing, and I and it's emotionally very challenging. And it doesn't have to be that way. So. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's what I often say. It doesn't have to be that way. There's really, yeah. when there's uh, solutions to it and quite effective solutions, yeah, women don't have to struggle. But unfortunately, it's, it's one of those symptoms. And a lot of the symptoms, of course, that we're talking about today, um, women don't, don't want to talk about it or they're embarrassed to talk about it. I, I should say maybe it's not a matter of not wanting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of studies. There's, there's a big study called the Viva study. And it really, um, well, the Viva and the Revive study really speaks to um, how impactful this uh, cluster of symptoms is and really some of the barriers to treatment. And that is one of the barriers to treatment is that um, there's a reluctance to discuss these symptoms with our doctors. In fact, about 77% of women believe it's taboo to talk about this at all. And then, you know, on the flip of that, we've got healthcare practitioners where only 7% actually initiate the conversation. Right. So got a really big disconnect where women, you know, for whatever reasons, whether, you know, they're embarrassed or they hope that these symptoms go away, um, you know, lack of knowledge or, you know, whatever. There's reasons, many reasons why they don't bring it to the table. But if you don't have healthcare practitioners that are also raising the issue and bringing it to their attention, um, yeah, those are all, those are both two very big barriers to uh, treatment. Is it Absolutely. safe to say,
0: is it safe to say that there is a huge population of women out there right now that are, are dealing with this every day and just think that this is a normal part of their life for the rest of their lives?
2: <laughs> yeah, the numbers are, are staggering, actually. If, if you think that 45% of midlife and older women are suffering with some bothersome symptom of urodental atrophy, then we're looking at estimates of about 1.1 billion women worldwide by 2025 older than the age of 50 that will have specific needs around urogenital atrophy or general urinary syndrome, menopause, it's the same thing. So 1.1 billion by 2025, that, that is an absolutely staggering number. And if you look at what that really translates into, um, and you look at the, there's, this is the, the Viva study, well, 80% will tell you that that has overall a general negative impact on their lives. of women will say that um, it impacts their sexual life. And now we're talking about all symptoms, whether it be Mm -hmm. vaginal dryness or or the impotence Mm -hmm. pizza, right? Um, 68% of women felt less sexual because of it.
0: Of course, if you don't even feel like, like, you know, you don't feel clean when that's happening to you, or if you have to wear like some sort of incontinence pad or something like that's certainly not sexy. And that just,
1: yeah, that just adds to that whole like menopause perimenopause is like we're old. You know, we're yeah, wearing, time to
0: put on your diaper. Yeah, we're yeah, putting right? on our
1: sexy Depends and
2: going <laughs> yeah. to the gym. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, and I think you know, the other important thing, and, and again, this isn't just with incontinence, this ties in, and probably arguably uh, more so, the vaginal dryness and painful intercourse. Uh, we know women say that, 30, 33% of women are saying that it negatively affects their relationship within a marriage.
0: Absolutely. So before we get down that road, like, let's talk Mm -hmm. about when we're talking about incontinence, like, is it just about Kegels? Like, what else can we do? What things are out there now that can support women and help us like, um, I guess, treat or I don't know, can we say we can cure it? I guess is the question. yeah, I've
2: I've certainly seen women that um, become continent of urine, uh, no problem. Um, And Kegels are a perfect example where the the whole point of it is to strengthen the pelvic floor. Um, The challenge is, of course, with Kegels is that, um, well, A, some women can't Kegel. They just Mm -hmm. um, aren't able to. Um, Don't Kegel effectively is another one. And don't Kegel um, reliably. And that's really the trick with um, Kegels is that you have to be really religious about it in order to make the impact that you're looking for and so absolutely important
0: but there are other ways um uh, with that as well like if you were just relying on kegels mm-hmm. how often would you need to be doing them to really see the results
2: yeah just generally as a school of uh um, rule of thumb is uh, um, a gynecologist anyway we typically talk about 10 sets of 10 a day um wow. you know so yeah Right. But it's, it's too, the the pelvic floor physios are much better really at coaching um, their patients through a proper Kegel. And it really, it comes down, right. uh, Breathing and all sorts of other things. Um, But if we just look at it, as as I say, simply, yeah, you're looking at 10 sets of of 10 a day. And so that's the equivalent of a hundred and, and proper Kegeling. So, you know, and that's where in lies the, the problem is that we just, seemingly don't take the time most of us myself included so absolutely uh, (laughs) yeah i
1: I get it but also you don't know if you're doing it right and and Mm -hmm. if you haven't had pelvic floor physio which i haven't i wouldn't Mm -hmm. know if i was doing a proper kegel but that also Mm -hmm. sounds to me like that's not just um to fix the problem it's also maintenance so for the rest of your leg 10 sets of 10 kegels a day that sounds really draining (laughs) like Mm -hmm.
0: well it also sounds really unrealistic like come on i can barely like do my workout every day like trying to find <laughs> trying to do kegels 10 times a day i doubt that's going to happen so i would like to talk about um at least one of the products we know about because jackie and i both got to try it with you and that's Emcella. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah can you tell yeah. our audience
0: a little mm-hmm. bit about that the magical yeah. chair
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is
2: actually it's pretty amazing it, it's it's basically an oversized uh chair that in the seat of it is embedded um a very large magnet so Akin to what you might think of in a, in a um, MRI uh, machine. And basically that magnet, um, you're you're sitting on the chair fully clothed. It's not uncomfortable, and that magnet is basically doing a kegel for you. And not only a perfect kegel once you line yourself up, but a super maximal kegel and the equivalent of eleven thousand eight hundred in a thirty minute session. So you that can is imagine, crazy, yeah, right. So after six sessions, um, yeah, you can imagine how that um, muscle has, um, you know, worked to the point where now things like the urinary urgency, frequency, up at night, um, and and any um, incontinence of urine with a laughing, coughing, sneezing um, improves. So it actually captures both types,
1: um, right? Incontinence. Yeah, and it doesn't. You know, it was a very strange experience, but not painful at all. It was just. I don't even know what the word is because I've clearly mm-hmm. never experienced something like that. But um, the frequency kept going up. I think, like, mm-hmm. to, um, and you could feel it more on the outside than the inside. Um, mm-hmm. For but sure. it, it is kind of indescribable. Although Ramona will come in and perfectly describe it. Um, <laughs> it was. Like, <laughs> I did feel like I felt something, and then afterwards, like we did five minutes each. Which you know isn't like eleven thousand, but I can imagine, because I suck at math, that's probably still a lot of kegels that we did. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes,
0: <laughs> for me it felt like I was sitting on a chair and somebody was sitting under it and knocking on my back door, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes more aggressively than others when they cranked up cranked yes. up the the yeah. machine. Mm-hmm. Um, now. To explain to our listeners it, the recommended um, amount like I guess times you should be doing the MCELA chair to see results mm-hmm. is roughly six times correct and I correct. guess that would probably depend on y- your specific needs
2: yeah yeah but typically you know an introductory session is the six sessions so that twice a week for three weeks um, and most for most women that um, has substantial impact on um, on their continents or yeah, as I say, whether it's urgent incontinence or stress incontinence, can you do touch-ups down the road? Yep, because it's just like any muscle too. Over yeah. time, it will start to weaken again, and um, so most of uh, my patients come back at about that six to nine month mark, Okay. and don't um, necessarily need to do the full series again. Right, People will come in, come in for a touch-up, and then there's some too who who feel like okay, no, I'm improving, uh, but there's still room for improvement. Who mm-hmm. will do a couple of you know, additional sections on top of the on top of the six.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I have to say that this is such an amazing um, way to help with incontinence, especially when you think about. Like, I was talking to a friend whose mom is a, is turning eighty, and I was telling her about this product, and she's like, "You know how how many products my mother buys to support this." issue, mm-hmm. to, to think that she could go to a doctor's office and sit in a chair for half an hour, fully clothed. Mm-hmm. you know, her mobility isn't an issue at this point. She's mm-hmm. not having to, you know, go to the store and buy all these products and know that it could help her. And it, it is a stressor, for even someone, not even just an elderly person, but anyone who's struggling with this, when you're out and about for the day, you're at the store and you're, you know where the washrooms are yeah. because you yeah. know, for some people, the urge is immediate. When it happens, you got to find a toilet, right? And so yeah. knowing that this could like really impact somebody's life by getting this treatment mm-hmm. was pretty mm-hmm. amazing for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Exactly. No, it's, it's a beautiful tool to have uh, for sure. And and quite a game changer.
1: And nobody like, there's, oops, sorry. Go ahead. There's there's not many um, procedures involving the vagina that are pleasant. There's, you know, there's (laughs) nobody likes anyone going down there. And Mm -hmm. this one was very pleasantly surprising because like you said, you wear your clothes, you sit down, you kind of like move around to get into position And then Mm -hmm. there's no pain. Like it's, it's, it's strange and it's kind of funny, but it, and then just when you're thinking, wow, right now I am literally doing hundreds of proper Kegels. Yeah, so and it's probably good to feel it, too, because then when you go to try to do a kegel like me, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I have not been doing this right. (laughs) So it's a very different sensation. So understanding that sensation was helpful. Yeah,
2: yeah. And the thing is, is that you're not sore afterwards. There's basically two phases to the device. So there's the the pelvic floor um, contraction uh, phase and then there's the tap, 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 tap. Mm-hmm. bit um, right and and that is to release the lactic acid so it's not um you don't get the buildup and discomfort that you would after a regular workout
0: right? yeah you know, that's really, true
2: yeah you don't feel that after after
0: at all mm-hmm. and i do want to mention too i mean we're speaking to women um but when we were speaking with the m cell a wrap He also mentioned, you know, that this is useful for men, like, especially like there was a patient who he knew that had um, had prostate issues, he was a cancer survivor, and he was having real hard time with incontinence, and he tried so many different things. And he came at, to use the chair, the Amsela mm-hmm. chair, mm-hmm. and he immediately saw a difference within one session. So that's really promising for those who are listening. Yeah, yeah.
1: for sure. yeah. yeah, it was very, mm-hmm. you know, from what we've read about it, before we went in, we read a lot about it. And um, we spoke to Emcella to find out more about the product and um, we're very reassured before we tried the treatment um, but you know this is sort of like a, a great example of having someone try before you buy like to try it out and feel it and feel the comfort level that we had and um, and like you said no pain no lactic acid no no effects afterwards that was very reassuring
0: Okay, so let's talk about vaginal dryness. Um, so we're going to get really personal because this is something that Jack and I had to sort of admit to each other that we were struggling with, because vaginal dryness also, you know equates to really painful sex. And I've dealt with that for several years, and it's been physically painful, but also emotionally painful, because it is something that really affects your intimate relationship with your partner. And for me, it just, I felt, um, inadequate. I felt like I was letting my partner down. Um, I was trying all these different lubricants and products. I was going to pelvic physio. I was doing all the things that, you know, I thought I needed to do and nothing was really helping me. Um, and we heard about your Mona Lisa sculpt and, um, If you can just talk a little bit about maybe one, maybe backtracking a little bit about, again, why this happens to people like us who are going through menopause and and suddenly feel this pain, this vaginal dryness externally, internally, and then the Mm -hmm. things that we can do to these two amazing products that you have that we can talk about.
2: Hmm. Yeah. So basically, you know, when we transition from perimenopause into menopause, we've got dropping levels of estrogen specifically and um, other hormones as well. But it's largely the the estrogen deficiency that results in um, the thinning of the tissues, whether it be external on the vulva or more commonly inside the vagina. And these, um, you know, thinning of tissues doesn't sound like much unless you've got it, and then you have a much greater appreciation of how miserable it really can be. And and for some women it goes beyond just the painful intercourse, um, where it is so uncomfortable that even when they're wiping with toilet paper, um, it's stings and burns, um, and they, you know, they chafe as they walk. So it, it's a, yeah. it's a really big, big deal, right? The other thing too is that, um, you know, if you look at the breast cancer population who often not only has, um, um, you know, menopause uh, to, to deal with, but also some of the medications will actually um, aggravate that hormonal deficiency, you know, on purpose, uh, but it also aggravates these symptoms. And it's in right. a population, of course, now of women who um, many are restricted from using hormones. So mm-hmm. it was in a position of, okay, so, you know, if the, if the reason behind this is for lack of hormones, well, then obviously one of the solutions is to add back hormones, mm-hmm. right? but you can't because right. of your diagnosis, um, it, it leaves this whole population of, of women, and or are women who don't want to use hormones. It's not, right. you know, not just that population, but there's a lot of women um, who aren't interested in that, um, or their hormones that they are taking are no longer enough. Mm -hmm. To manage the symptoms, right? So there's several different categories, but the long and short of it is that um, it is very important to understand that of all of the symptoms of menopause, um, this cluster of symptoms that we know as urogenital atrophy, so or general urinary syndrome of menopause, is its other name. uh, That that, constellation of symptoms, um, you know, unlike hot flashes or the emotional lability um, that we typically associate with menopause, urogenital atrophy actually
0: progresses. Yeah. It does. (laughs) I can speak to that for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so um, again, you know, there's this fear to bring this up to your physician and the physicians aren't bringing this um, issue up either. And so uh, what I would say is that if you are struggling with it, you can hope all you want that it's going to get better, but that constellation of symptoms actually progresses. And so the more you can do something about it and the sooner you can do something about it, the more likely you are to return to, um, you know, vaginal health. And so I, I really would emphasize that bit that the sooner something is done, the more um, traction um, you can gain with, with some of these treatments. And mm-hmm. the nice thing too is that you can combine some of these um, treatments, whether it's you know hormone replacement therapy or the CO2 fractional laser therapy. You know um, the the one brand is the Mona Lisa Touch um, that I use. But basically, um, you know whatever modality that you use for vaginal dryness, painful intercourse, um, it should be carried on. Because when mm-hmm. you stop using it, you will have that deterioration again, so it is it is a commitment one way or the other um to vaginal health, and there's no limits, of course, um, you know with sexual intercourse and how long you can do that, there, there's no age restriction or limitation absolutely that, right and so uh, these treatments can and, and should be used and thought of as long term management, some of them more convenient than others arguably, mm-hmm. right? for sure, yeah.
1: It's so tricky though, because if you think about the fact that, um, like I have atrophy, Ramona, you do too, I think, right? Atrophy or? Yeah. Okay. Um, and we're married and, you know, sex has become obsolete because it's far too painful. Like even a pap smear is far too painful. And, um, you know, think about, you know, women who might be non-sexually active, um, it, it could be a while before you realize this is happening to your body. Like if you're not sexually active and then you go for a pap smear, I mean, pap smears hurt anyway. And especially because we're also quite tense when we do a pap smear, but you could, that mm-hmm. could be happening in your body for so long that the atrophy could be getting worse and worse before you actually discover what's happening. And then you mm-hmm. have a lot of, uh, a lot of course correction to do. And like I found when, so we tried the Mona Lisa touch with you. And um, I have to say for anyone like me who has an absolute phobia of pap smears now that I have vaginal dryness, um, use that numbing cream to help us in the beginning. And I didn't feel anything after that. But I did see the size of the um, um, probe. Thank you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> i losing some words. Um, I wish my my OB guide would use a probe that small because I thought that was very kind and polite. Thank you. Adequate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're not yes, all I built that big in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you do have
2: to be extra kind in, in this scenario. And it is interesting. You mentioned the numbing cream, um, actually numbing cream isn't really necessary for the procedure, but, but I would say <laughs> that, um, well, I've just I would not do it without because you know if we look at the um, the anatomy really of the nerves that supply the vagina, we know that the densest concentration is in the lower one third of the vagina, and that is also where the tissue tends to thin out the most. So it's kind of a double whammy that um, you know the area that is most bothersome right at the opening of the vagina and usually on, at the back closest to the rectum, um, that. Is um, that's the area that is most sensitive, and that's exactly where you know I'm putting the numbing cream, so that. (laughs) Well, I I thought that
1: was thought that was interesting, um, because now we're chatting. But you have seen my vagina. Um, (laughs) You, you, you—that's when you explained to me about the lower third. I always sort of assumed the dryness was up inside, Mm -hmm. um, and I never really thought about it because I never, you know, aside from maybe telling my daughter I had dryness, and she said, "Go get a lube." um we never talked about it and when you explained to me like does it hurt when it first goes in it's like absolutely and that's when it stops too like i Mm -hmm. shut her down Mm -hmm. um but that's where my pain receptors are it all makes so much sense that that's Mm -hmm. where i was having the problem
2: yeah yeah the the whole vagina does does thin out for sure it's just some areas are certainly more Bothersome than others, and again, it's typically the lower third that most women really struggle with. Um, in the upper two thirds, it's even after a, you know a, a tear repair after vaginal delivery, you actually don't even need to use. Anesthetic. Yeah. Right?
1: So, so I was um, thinking about like how you did explain to us when we had our procedure how it worked when the probe went in. Can you um, share a little bit? About
0: yeah, like that? let's talk to let's talk about what exactly the CO2 f- Fractional, fractional laser therapy. Am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah. Like,
2: fractional laser therapy. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, could you tell our audience what that exactly is, and then how the procedure works? Like how how does it help us?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually CO2 fractional laser therapy has been around since the 1970s. So it's, it's actually not new technology at all. It's the Italians that got really smart and decided to put it in the vagina.
0: And it works. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it works uh, brilliantly in the very same way. It's basically creating micro injury uh, that stimulates the body to heal itself. And when the body is healing um, it calls on collagen and elastin and hyaluronic acid, and that you know comes into the area and um, improves lubrication. Um, you know, you get better transfer of nutrients through the tissues and removal of waste products. Um, that all increases glycogen, which changes the pH balance in the vagina and is a protection against infection. It improves the acidity, you get better colonization um, of the bacteria that are in the vagina. So it actually covers a lot of ground simply by, stimulating the body to heal itself. Now, the laser therapy, it's not covering the entire vagina. In fact, if you were to <laughs> take the vagina out after a procedure and unfold it, you would see that only 15, 15% of the tissue is actually being lasered. Oh, okay. Right, so 85% of the tissue remains intact. But you need that intact tissue in order to provide and to supply uh, the area with all of those healing um, factors that I was talking about, the collagen, the elastin, the hyaluronic acid, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's the mechanism of, uh, mechanism of action is it's um, just pulling in all of these good healing factors to beef up the tissue. And when you beef up the tissue, not only is it um, less sore for one, but it actually, um, you know, squeezes, it provides a better squeeze to the urethra. So for those women that are having recurrent bladder infections, there can be that advantage of using um, CO2 fractional laser therapy for that as part of their treatment.
0: Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's basically the, the whole concept behind it, which again, is no different than when we are resurfacing faces. Yeah. Right. Right. So same, same idea.
0: Right? Okay. So when we went to your office, basically just so the audience knows what a typical session looks like, you remove your clothing from the waist down as if you were having a pap smear. You kindly give us some numbing cream (laughs) and then there's a probe that gets inserted and it, I guess, lets out this laser therapy and it lasts only minutes. Not yeah, even, um, really, was it?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. It, it, basically, on the, on the end of the probe is um, basically a mirror that um, causes the laser to rebound, and it covers 360 degrees at the vagina. Mm-hmm. The original probes actually really had to turn the device right around in the vagina, which, of course, is uncomfortable, just given yeah. what you're dealing with. So now these new probes, um, you basically only have to do a fraction of a turn and walk it down the vagina so that you cover the entire surface area. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it, it really only takes about a minute and a half um, mm-hmm. to do that from beginning to end. So as you guys experienced, the numbing cream itself, which took about 15 minutes, is longer than the actual yeah. uh, procedure itself, right? So there isn't really, um, there, there's no anesthesia, there's, there's no downtime afterward. Um, you know, it's safe, it um, works very well. You know, we're, we're talking about really good numbers as far as, um, you know, women reporting benefits from it. Um, whether it be, you know, improvement in burning or dryness or the painful intercourse. And laxity is the other thing. Um, I, I don't, laxity just meaning that the tissues don't have the same uh, squeeze and integrity for intercourse. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. um, it's not, it's not one of the biggest complaints that I hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly hear more about the vaginal dryness and the painful intercourse. And for those, you know, we're looking at, you know, anywhere between, um, you know, 72 percent, and you know, up to an 85 percent improvement um, in symptoms, and and sometimes that improvement happens after the first treatment, and sometimes it's after the third that you get the biggest um, leap. Everybody's really different,
0: right? So, and so, sorry, go ahead, Jack. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, so the recommended amount of sessions you should have is at least three, depending on what your situation is. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Three is the, the starting point. And then ideally, you get a touch-up single treatment at about the year mark. Um, can you go longer than that? Yep, sometimes. But again, the more it gets away on you, the harder it is to uh, bring it back. So it's it's smart to get... Um, or a touch-up at about the year mark give or
1: take. So aside from the touch-up from um, doing a procedure, like a, another procedure, say you do three, um, mm-hmm. what can you do to help maintain that? Is it trying to have a healthy, active sex life? Is it maybe mm-hmm. using a massager? Is it Kegels? Is it all of these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's an old gyne adage, use it or lose it.
0: Oh, yes, we've heard that <laughs> one before. I love that people one. Of fact. Yeah. And I, like absolutely to, <laughs> I like to <laughs> scare people. with like, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there,
2: there's absolutely some truth to that for sure. Um, there are other things, right? Of course, you can use systemic hormone replacement therapy. You can use local hormone replacement therapy. Um, there is a device called V-Sculpt that can be used as maintenance, but V-Sculpt can be used on its own as a, a standalone treatment. Um, and we can talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Keegling's, you know, of course, uh, keeps things going. So there's there's a lot of things that can be to be done to to better maintain over that year for sure.
0: Okay. Now, have patients reported back like um, if they've if they've done the treatment and it's been a while since they've been sexually active because mm-hmm. of the atrophy or the pain associated with that? Are they able to just like jump back in? to a sex life without any major, like, pain or complications? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, Um, of course, most women are apprehensive because they've had that experience. Yeah, of course, right? Um, And everybody's a little different. Sometimes uh, women are are good to try after the first one. Um, Sometimes it's after the second. Again, there seems to be a bit of a cumulative effect. Um, I do think that, Because having intercourse, in many ways, um, there is some loss of control as far as the the female who's dealing with this trying to manage, right? Because there's some unpredictability there, um, wrong wrong moves, (laughs) and apprehension um, can be, um, you know, sometimes tough to get around in the beginning, um again, a, a lot of it to do with um, the apprehension part of it, right? Because the mm-hmm. body the body is very powerful. The pelvic floor muscles can be very strong when they need to be. Yeah. so if you're anticipating um, discomfort or pain, they absolutely will clamp down right, which yeah. in and of itself creates pain within intercourse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know for some women who are particularly um, anxious about it, um, I often encourage them to try on their own first, so that they are in yeah. complete control and they can start right. and stop and, and do whatever they need to do, whether that is, um, you know, under their own steam or whether it's using, um, you know, another yeah. device. You know, v Pro. Again, um, a lot of my patients will use that, that in conjunction, and I think there is some um, something to sort of getting um, comfortable and knowing mm-hmm. you know, it's okay, it's going to be fine, yeah, and easing back into it. It does depend though on the degree, right? I mean, if it's, if it's a, you know, pretty advanced case, then yeah, it's it's not necessarily always the first time that, you know, after the first treatment that you're back at it and, and Mm -hmm. problems. Um, And some of them, as I say, it's a matter of combining modalities um, too, if it's, if it's a particularly, um,
0: you know, tough, tough Mm -hmm. case. Yeah. Yeah. We probably need a glass of wine and some of your numbing cream. <laughs> the numbing cream. Right, right? Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs>
2: yeah, and, and lubrication for sure, right?
1: Just, just whatever,
2: whatever you can do um, to make it easier on yourself emotionally, psychologically, mm-hmm. um, you know, can have, be a benefit for sure.
1: Now, when we were um, going through – the clinic, and we were mm-hmm. snooping around. We came across a very large device. <laughs> that you called the V-Sculpt Large for some,
0: maybe <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Well, when you're chicken like I am
0: <laughs> Yes, well, we took a picture of it And we'll probably share it on our Instagram But it yeah. was like a big button that said Do you want to improve your sex life? So that <laughs> caught us right away And it was it was the V-Sculpt Pro So can we talk a little bit about that product?
2: Uh, yeah, so uh, V-Sculpt mm. is basically the hand handheld medical device and it belongs in the vagina, just as it looks like it belongs in the vagina. (laughs) Uh, It's used at home and it's a combination of uh, light technology and heat energy and vibratory energy. So it's the combination. So that's called photobiomodulation therapy. And it too in in a slightly different fashion um, than Mona Lisa touch or, or CO2 fractionalizer, um, it too increases elastin and collagen and improves the blood flow as well as tightens the pelvic floor muscles. Um, and it's used along with a photonic gel that aids in the transfer of light into the tissues. So um, it works in, in from multiple angles. And it's nice because it's not it, it covers, it covers both bladder symptoms and the vaginal symptoms and the painful intercourse. It may not necessarily be as um, you know, as big guns as the CO2 fractional laser is mm-hmm. or uh, the vaginal dryness and painful intercourse. And it may not necessarily be the big guns as it is for Emcella, but it's a really nice in the middle. So if it's you know, neither one of those are um, you know, hugely bothersome and you're catching it really early, well, then V-Sculpt um, or V-Sculpt Pro. So mm-hmm. really the difference is uh, the duration of the, the treatment timings. Um, but it's a nice sort of in between, um, and again, can be used in conjunction with, um, hormones, Emcella and, uh, Mona Lisa touch. So, and it, uh, it works really quite nicely. Um, you know, the stats on that people who, again, use it religiously. And again, that's another, um, trick to it. So you basically at first, you're every other night for six minutes and the next week, every other night for eight minutes, you build Mm -hmm. up to 12 minutes, but then there's the maintenance twice a week for 12 minutes, right? And so there is a bit of a commitment there. But, you know, if you can get 90% um, less bladder leakage in 45 days. Uh, yeah, I'd be okay that, with that. That's, exactly. That's amazing. Um, yeah, 95% of women had um, improved vaginal tightness, um, 90 plus in vaginal hydration, um, certainly felt increased vaginal sensitivity with intercourse. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and that all translates right to a confidence in sexual intercourse that um yeah might might have been lacking so yeah it's a um it's a really nice device too that um, again is is used um, often I use that for as a first line, um,
0: first line yeah through. and I think the one thing that is you know that we do need to remember when we're talking about you know you know if you don't use it you lose it is and, and we've talked about this with nav graywall um, who was pelvic physiotherapist was you know even just inserting something something in there regularly is helping to one, gain the confidence of eventually welcoming a penis in there again, yeah, right, <laughs> but also right. just you know, again using it, getting it, you know, being active in there is important, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah,
1: it is. Um, you know, all of the treatments, like whatever the issue is, all of the treatments represent such hope, and I think up until we we chatted with you in our last podcast, we did feel Ramona and I that there was going to be a lot of work we had to do on our own and maybe it would work. Maybe it wouldn't. And um, like I said, we we both have friends who suffer the same things, the bladder and inc- the urine incontinence. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, being mm-hmm. a really big one. Um, but the dryness, like um, it's impacted relationships, um, pride, you know, our <laughs> own self-esteem, but also um, like I said earlier, it really drives home that you're, you're going through a change and it makes you feel older. You know, mm-hmm. losing control of your bladder feels like such a an older person's issue. And when it happens to you so young, that's when you really start to doubt yourself and lose confidence. Um, but the the sex life, I mean, mine has been. Honestly, like we have a joke that it's Groundhog Day and birthdays and we can't, (laughs) like I just can't, I really have to mentally prepare, I don't like it when we do it and my partner must know that and it affects him because that's our connection and, you know, it almost like turns your relationship into like roommates or, you know, because when you take the sex out of it, the intimacy Mm -hmm. Intimacy. really changes, Mm -hmm. you know, and... We argue more, and we don't. And I don't feel like we don't emotionally support each other as much. Like everything changes when when that goes, and it's really important to work on that. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It's it's a huge part that um, I don't necessarily know that many women appreciate that until they're in this position where mm-hmm. it's
0: not. Yeah, busy, and I right? think. Yeah. And I think a lot of women, like, because they have no idea that that's about to happen to them, they're, you know, we're hoping through this podcast that we're educating women to sort of be proactive about it, but before it becomes Mm -hmm. such an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one other thing that we want to talk about with you and that's FSAD. And we haven't talked about this on the podcast before, but it's female sexual arousal dysfunction. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, it's um, certainly a, an area that is of growing um, not concern, but certainly growing interest and as technology develops. And, um, you know, it, it's certainly more on the radar of women than it ever has been before. And there's, you know, multiple things that are, are um, out there. But one, um, again, technology, because we're talking about vaginal technologies really today is um, Cleovana which is a medical device, again, used in the office um, that is meant to improve female orgasm. Actually, it's been used for men as well. Actually, the, the technology originally exists for them um, first as well. But really, if um, you look at some of the statistics, uh, there's a like good 67% of women are not orgasming during intercourse. And, you know, a lot of women will tell you that that leads to, you know, unhappiness in their sex lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. And, and the other thing that's important to know, too, is that um, but it's about 80 percent of women that um, orgasm through clitoral stimulation and mm-hmm. right? different, different, you know, ways of, of orgasming. But a lot of it has to do with clitoral stimulation. Yeah. And, um, you know, and this is a big problem. And, and I certainly ask, um, you know, on, on our intake questionnaire. About this particular question, and I would say a good chunk of postmenopausal women are dealing with decreased sensitivity. Generally, um, it uh, takes longer to orgasm. Um, it's not nearly as intense as it used to be, and so you know what some of these devices are doing is really just rejuvenating the the tissues. So we've talked a lot about you know the pelvic floor and and the um, vaginal tissues as well, but if we look at the clitoral um, you know, anatomically, it's a, a big part of um, how women orgasm and their satisfaction with intercourse. And so this device basically um, has multiple phases to it. Um, the first phase is more like a, a suction, vacuum suction therapy, which brings um, blood to the area to begin with. And, and by the way, the clitoris isn't just the button part that we talk about it's the legs of the clitoris go down either side okay. of the uh, uh, the vaginal opening as well and so you know with the first stage you're just really bringing blood supply to the area and the second phase is more the the sound wave technology and that's interacting with the tissue it's, it's breaking it down but in many ways it's the same concept as the mona lisa touch and the, the Pro. is that you're basically stimulating the body to help heal itself right so you you by introducing the sound waves you're basically um you know breaking down some of the tissue and creating angiogenic factors and um endothelial growth factors and that improves blood supply to the area and improves um neurogenesis the development of nerves to the area which is key because the um the clitoris has a unbelievable amount of um nerve receptors uh, in fact about eight thousand of them uh, which is huge and so you can see by this process of sound wave therapy that that is helping if you're in improving nerve, um, neurogenesis with that. And then there's a third phase, which is um, more the vibration sound wave, um, which is working at the um, drainage and the lymphatic level. And okay. that also um, improves blood supply to the area. So you know, a consequence of all of that is basically women are finding that their orgasms are um, certainly more um, intense and just general overall improvement. um, And and improvement also in arousal levels as well. Um, And then goes along with that too, makes sense is that there's improved lubrication. So it has has an impact um, in a lot of positive ways as well. And that one is um, basically a four session treatment over a two week timeframe. So um, two sessions per week for a total of four. Okay. And generally speaking, you can get a good six-month run out of it before you need to come back for um, an additional two treatments. And usually the treatments themselves cost that take about 10 minutes or so to do.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So we we didn't get to see this treatment when we were at the office last, but I'm... In my head, I'm just imagining a very funny scenario of, like, someone giving me this treatment and me having an orgasm in the room. So can you, can you like, can, we, can you talk us through, like, how the session works?
2: Yeah, well, it's...
0: <laughs> Are we
2: alone? Are you with us? Like, what's yeah, happening no, here? It, it is very true. There's
0: a little <laughs> conversation
2: that's happening, <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, walking through. But, yeah, it is um, one that requires a practitioner to, um, you know, apply it. It's not painful. Um, and, in fact, right, as, as you pointed out, there is um, a pleasurable component to it as well. <laughs> and, uh, and there's different responses, um after that and some women certainly can notice a difference immediately afterwards where they feel just you know unlike uh, much like mona lisa touch where mm-hmm. yeah no i noticed something's definitely different and and it kind of makes sense if you're if you're using you know cupping technique and yeah yeah
1: and therapy yeah
2: and, and preparation right directly to to the clitoris then then
1: yep So is that a soundproof room or? (laughs) (laughs) Do we? (laughs) Well, I we'll just dodge that question. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting to me because um, growing up, you know, like in my sexual prime in the eighties, you know, like eighties early nineties, my doctor would obviously never talk to me about sex, and I had a male doctor who also did my pap smears, and um, he was very, you know, unempathetic to women's needs, like, he's very just curt about everything, I think he felt very uncomfortable, and I remember when I became sexually active, and all my girlfriends were talking about orgasms, and I was like, what are these things, because I've been active for, like, a couple of years, it, honestly, I know I'm gonna, like, shoot myself for saying this, it took until my late twenties to realize that it wasn't abnormal not to have an orgasm through intercourse alone, I thought there was mm-hmm. something wrong with me, thought I was missing something
2: like a mm-hmm. body part yeah
1: right yeah,
2: yeah, and that that absolutely there's actually many women you 're right that um, yeah, just with intercourse alone, in fact, a good percentage of women mm-hmm. yeah, so you certainly wouldn't be alone in that mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think you know the one reason why we wanted to have this episode two with you and have an episode dedicated to this kind of thing is that, you know, I mean, even just talking to you and having our first appointment and we are going to document and talk about when we get to our like, you know, third, um, Mm -hmm. session with the Mona Lisa sculpt and, and how it's affected us. But, um, On the car ride home, we both got really emotional and it was because we were talking about the fact that there are all these things that we've talked about today that women are struggling with and not talking about and not even realizing that there's so many options out there available to us that could help us. Um, I think we both like cried (laughs) for a good portion of the ride home Mm -hmm. because we were hoping That one, we are helping people right now by having this episode, Um, but also like knowing that, you know, feeling hopeful that we aren't going to have to struggle anymore through these really unsettling, undesirable, and I don't even know how to describe it, but just things that we both have had to struggle with for years because of menopause.
1: Mm -hmm. It felt like a ripoff. And You know, I think like, um, you know, we we did a very intense intake form, like a questionnaire with you, which was amazing because you asked on the form, there was so many bizarre questions. And um, when we, you know, did the questionnaire and then got our profile, mine was quite shocking. Like I was ready to just scoot on out of there and you said, oh, I think we need to talk about your profile. (laughs) Um, And it was... um, You know, it was interesting because um, I have, I do regular blood work, I do regular checkups pre-COVID, and what the questionnaire returned was not what I expected, and, you know, not to go into great detail in this episode, but um, you explore so much about us through that questionnaire, which was amazing, but I think I, you know, for me personally, I, as Ramona and I talked in the car about it, I was very kind of super happy that this option exists for women, but also very upset maybe that I hadn't heard about this years ago, maybe when my marriage started having problems and also Mm -hmm. knowing that some of the things that were returned in my profile might've affected my fertility, which is why we struggled so hard and, you know, had a few miscarriages and that felt like a, like that loss returned to me when I Mm. saw my profile and I felt very, um, we a little resentful that it hadn't been explored until we came to see you. So, you know, it, it brings up a lot of emotion. Like, it shouldn't be like this for women. And that's what we said in the car. This is so unfair that women don't know this, that, that mm-hmm. we are so easily dismissed and, and told to just sort of deal with it. You're a woman. This is what you'll go through. And we thought, no, we, like, you should never settle until you get a proper mm-hmm. answer that's satisfying.
2: Yeah yeah for sure, and, and sometimes it takes looking at things a little differently, right I mean certainly my my training is as a conventional gyne- gynecologist and practice that for um, you know over a decade and you know I look back on my career and see how I now do things very differently um, right and that you 're right I, I even on my side, looking back, you know i I certainly appreciate the shortcomings and certainly wish I had known otherwise but you know what, you, you only what, you know what you know, and mm-hmm. once you do know, then you make the changes that you need to, and you know, it's part of why I find what I do um, so rewarding, because I know, I know that I'm doing things differently, I know there is a way, a different way to approach it than um, just simply the way that I was taught, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that approach. I just think there's been such development in other areas that um, you know, the conventional approach is um, missing for whatever reason, and probably a whole bunch of different reasons yeah. why that is. But there is more to it, and it doesn't have to be this way.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's what we love about you, Dr. Prowse, is that you've been able to look outside of just your particular practice and understand that there's other things that can help women. And I think, you know, it does help that you're a woman yourself and you Mm -hmm. probably experienced some of these things Mm -hmm. or have seen them with your your peers and whatever. But whatever the case may be, when you say you don't know what you don't know, that's exactly how we feel. We're like trying to let people know something Mm -hmm. else. Uh, one episode as a t- at a time because we felt really lost, and um, I just want to thank you again for joining us today We, we just we love you, we think you 're doing such great work for women, and uh, we hope that people will check you out and, and learn more about what what things there are that can help them in their journey through menopause
2: mm-hmm. Well thank you for having me I mean and certainly you know, a wonderful platform to be able to get the word out. Um, yeah, we, women, women are really struggling in so many ways. And you guys are doing a great job of, of um, right, bringing it to the forefront. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how change happens.